Today on Ag News Daily. I never see him again until he needs to borrow something else because he never returns what he borrowed. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. It is a, definitely a Friday. I'm glad it's the end of the week. Delaney Howell here joined by Mike Pearson. Mike, I've been putting out tons of dumpster fires today. I, I'm ready for a little weekend break. Well, there you go, Delaney. The weekend is upon us. I know a lot of our listeners are probably not going to have much of a weekend break. I'm traveling across uh, central Illinois and eastern Iowa, and I've seen a lot of planters running in the field, despite the fact that, you know, when I left Chicago, there was a ton of saturated soil, saw a lot of standing water, but, uh, you know, must have dried up enough for folks to be able to get out there and start running. Yep, I, I'm guessing you're right. You're going to get to see a whole tour as you're driving into Iowa today. Yes, indeed. Lots and lots going on, Delaney, but there's also lots happening in the world of agricultural news. You know, we've talked about the meat plants reopening. Secretary Sonny Perdue had a conference call yesterday with reporters, and I know we talked about on the podcast, said that these plants could be up and running in days, not weeks, as they get their uh, you know, mitigation and protection plans on file with the CDC and the Labor Department. But uh, JBS opened a plant in, uh, a beef plant in Colorado. They, they reopened one of their plants, I believe, in Fort Morgan, excuse me, Greeley, Colorado. And already they have seen a surge in COVID-19 cases. So this will kind of be the first test of the expanded powers given to, uh, to meat packers through the Defense Production Act that President Trump invoked here earlier this week. Yeah, and another piece on that too, I think the big question that a lot are waiting to see is whether or not Secretary Purdue and the USDA can ensure that these packing plant facilities receive tests and personal protective equipment as needed and as fast as it sounds like they're definitely needing. Yeah, yeah, it does. So they did say there was a union, or the employees union put out a little press release saying that uh, cases have skyrocketed and they had their sixth employee death due to COVID-19. So there is some pushback about, you know, should these plants be open if it's going to kill off employees? And this is going to be a discussion that will be ongoing as the rest of these packing plants make attempts to come back online and bring this production shortfall back into line. It certainly will. It certainly will, Mike. And kind of going along with that, we saw more than two dozen senators on both sides of the aisle calling on Secretary Purdue to revise the upcoming coronavirus relief program to make sure it provides payments to locally focused agricultural groups like farmers markets and food pantries, those types of folks and said that we're now going on into phase three of the stimulus bill and want to make sure that those people and entities are protected as well. The other thing I think is interesting is I'm wondering if as part of this letter, they also are implying on and asking Secretary Purdue to focus or allow local legislators to make decisions on things like the Defense Production Act that's now taking over the processing industry. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. It certainly will. It's a four-page letter, so I'm not going to read it all right now, but there's a lot of names on this list. Okay. Well, it's good to see some bipartisan action, I suppose. Nice Congress can get along from time to time. Yes. 
Well, you know, I've been tracking the COVID impact on Brazilian meatpacking facilities, and there was a chicken plant, um, you know, I believe it's a chicken plant, yeah, chicken and pork facility in Goiás, down in Brazil, that had been shut down due to COVID-19. The Brazilian meatpacking inspectors have now decided to let that plant reopen. Um, the Ag Ministry had ordered it shut, oh gosh, just about a week and a half ago, and... Um, they had to address just like our meat plants are doing, how are you gonna handle employee safety? They also had another curveball, which is how are they gonna handle a water supply issue? But apparently they've got all that you know, resolved enough to at least have the government say, throw those doors back open. So we'll continue to watch the nine other plants we talked about yesterday that have seen outbreaks of COVID-19 down in Southern Brazil. But for now, it looks like one of them is coming back online. Yeah. and. As Brazil continues to have COVID-19 uh, go through their population as well, we saw China start sniffing around for some U.S. soybeans yesterday, and the USDA announced a sale of 264,000 metric tons that will be sent over now to China, confirmed. We also, Mike, saw that China seems to be stepping up to the plate as well when it comes to U.S. sorghum, according to the national sorghum producer, CEO Tom Lust. So it appears China is starting to step up to the table. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can follow through on their phase one agreements and, you know, logistically, can they do it? Financially, can they afford to do it? It's all uh, going to be a wait and see game. And there's another component that got brought into the China negotiations yesterday, and that's will they be allowed to meet their requirements under the phase one deal by the United States government? Uh, President Trump was doing his uh, press briefing yesterday and said specifically that China fulfilling their phase one obligations is now less important to him than punishing China for you know, lying and disseminating about this COVID-19 back when they had their outbreak. And he floated the idea of putting more tariffs on Chinese goods as punishment for their actions during this outbreak. So I mean, that could completely throw this phase one deal out the window. And I, I think we saw that a little bit this morning. There was some uncertainty in pricing, particularly when we look at soybeans. So we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see what ends up shaking out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, it sounds kind of like President Trump is blaming China for this whole coronavirus pandemic. Well, yeah, and he has asked for an investigation into the Wuhan lab, which, you know, could be where this thing originated. China really has done a terrible job in uh, getting the facts out there. So mm -hmm. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We certainly will wait and see. Let's see. I'm thinking I might be just about out of news for today. Mike, what about you? Just one other quick story. Of course, we are heading into planting season. We have seen a lot of uh, widespread adoption of dicamba, dicamba tolerant crops here over the Midwest over the past two or three years. And now we have a group of official state regulators asking EPA to ban post-emergence usage of dicamba, which is, of course, the entire purpose of these uh, these dicamba tolerant crops, whether it's, you know, Roundup Ready Extend or, you know, the other ones in Genia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these regulators are saying come 2021, we don't want farmers to be able to spray dicamba after we've seen emergence in the field. And uh, it sounds like EPA is taking this seriously. This was brought at a meeting of the 
AAPCO, the American, the Association of American Pesticide Control Officers, raised this issue with the EPA. And now we'll just wait for the EPA's response and see if they do end up pulling the registration of these uh, herbicides for post-emergence use. All right. We'll, we'll continue to watch that story, too. I know that's a big tool for farmers, so definitely something that could impact their production. It certainly could. Well, speaking of production, Delaney, the value of that production out in the field, at least on the grain side, dropped a little bit today. What do you say? Should we take a look at the markets? Well, let's do it. All right, folks. Well, as we look at the grain markets, grains were down pretty well across the board, but not substantially. Uh, soybeans did see fairly substantial losses, but still up after their rally the other day. July corn dropped one and a half cents to finish at 3.18 and a half. The December contract down half a cent to close at 3.36 and three quarters. Looking at soybeans, that July contract was down five and three quarter cents at 8.49 and a half, while the November new crop was down two and three quarters to close at 8.55 even. Wheat, the big loser on the day, unfortunately for our wheat producing friends, the July Chicago contract dropped seven and three quarter cents at 5.16 and a half. December down seven and a quarter, close at 5.29 even. Looking over at the world of livestock, we've got gains. We've got green on the screen all the way through the meat complex. June live cattle were up $1.30 on the day at 87.25, with the August contract up 45 cents to close at 92.55. In feeder cattle, the May contract was up 72.5 cents at 117.82 half, while the August was up $1.15 to close at 127.65. Lean hogs, again, the big winner. The trade is anticipating hog slaughter could catch up first and see some pressure on live hog values, and that is what's really moving that market. The June contract was up the limit, $3.70. At 62.70, while the July was up $3.62.5 to close at 64.12.5. Looking over at the dairy market in class three milk, we did see some weakness to close out the week. The May contract was down 11 cents at 11.26, while the June was down 23 cents to close at 12.21. For our interview today, we've got just a quick one. We're going to hear back from our friend Tim, the dairy farmer. So, Delaney, why don't you flip that on? Hey, this is Tim the Dairy Farmer. Well, the new norm is social distancing. Farmers have been social distancing for years. Heck, I got one neighbor, the only time I see him is when he needs to borrow something. I never see him again until he needs to borrow something else, because he never returns what he borrowed. We are all experiencing loneliness from time to time in this isolation. It's perfectly normal and acceptable to talk to your livestock. However, it's still frowned upon if while milking your cow you ask her, Hey, you like that? You might want to stay away from asking your cows about fashion advice too, as they're all looking like the people from Walmart wearing a moo-moo with their teats hanging out. If you need relationship advice, definitely do not ask the bull. Bulls tend to have this whole way of thinking, There's enough love for all of us. Spread and seed like a no-till drill in the springtime. And lastly, don't ask your cows technical advice. They don't even know the difference between a butt dial and a booty call. Hey, this is Tim the Dairy Farmer. To hear more about me, go to timthedairyfarmer.com. I hope y'all are safe and keep milking it. All right, well, I certainly appreciate a little lightheartedness here on this Friday afternoon. 
But don't worry, if you're wanting some more pressing news, we'll be back on Monday with some market commentary. But until then, connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram over the weekend if you're missing us, or listen to any of our past episodes at agnewsdaily.com. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.